strap in and hold on tight as we get high on the roller coaster. That is life. We're your hosts, Melina and Jordan, and welcome to our podcast where we discuss all kinds of topics, experiences, tips, and tricks to help you roll through life with some sense of direction, and at the least, fake it till you make it. This week on Lifeorama, we're discussing pride and the icons of tomorrow or, icons <laughs> or of the past yesterday tomorrow and today impact and the community yes yes um no matter how big or small or what they kind of did if it was huge yeah. in entertainment if it was just pure just outrageous activism which i love so we're celebrating yes. pride month by Talking about icons all month. So I'm excited because today we're going to be talking about da, 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 Barbara Giddings. So she's, her, I, I'm not going to lie, I had not heard about her until I was doing some research. And I just thought it was really interesting how far back she was fighting for rights. Because we always think of Stonewall as like the pivotal moment. Like and it was huge beginning. because it's the first time people were coming first, it was out. It's kind of like out. the first breakthrough where it was starting the conversation and like every for everyone well but there's always so much more that led up to that right and it's like that was the big explosion where it wasn't like we need to hide ourselves to show that we're not scary or you know we're not we're not the oddballs we're just like you and they were finally like i'm done I'm being loud. I'm being myself, and especially after the '60s, when yeah. it's like that kind of expressionism of the like of yourself was coming out, it was just like, nope, this is 100% going to be me. There was no lines anymore because that was really when people started to break out of that mold. And so, of course, we're going to know the big riot that yeah. changed it to allow anybody, no matter how flamboyant or how you know demure they want to be, it's great. So I'm I'm excited to discuss about her. Get to know, get to know her a little bit. I'm excited to hear it. I'm excited, and of course we'll touch base on a couple of extra amazing icons as well. So uh, high lows for the week. <laughs> <laughs> I laugh because Milena looks like she might doze off. It's, it's been a hell of a month. Let's just say that. Not even a week. Just. A month, it's just, seriously, I was telling Jordan, it feels like a sledgehammer, just was like, oh, you have plans? Let me show you mine. And it's just been me not getting my footing all month, and it's just been, it's been a bit of a struggle bus for me. But it's You're fine. almost there. I'm almost there. I mean, it's like, you always feel like you're almost there and then something else comes up, but I feel like once you're in, gonna, once you're in your home... That big X. Oh yeah, and of course it's not just like personally with like the move and getting that taken care of. I mean, I had my mom come into town, which was wonderful. We actually went to Fontenelle Forest and went on a walk. We went to oh. uh, Neil Woods, and that was a really cool place. And it was it's up up north, and we took a really fun windy trail. Um, we got like attacked by butterflies. Like I'm oh, not even joking. Awful. It was like really weird because like. <laughs> We were at Fontenelle and I was taking a pretty picture of like trees. Oh, this is nice. And then all of a sudden I was like getting hit, but I didn't know with what. I was like, is it a grasshopper attacking me? And I looked down and I'm like literally being swarmed by butterflies and they're just like landing on us. Not not caring and staying with us as we're walking around. <laughs> like, what the fuck is this? I'm protecting you. But I mean, it wasn't bad. I guess I needed some good juju. But I yeah. mean, 
That was nice, but I dropped her off early on Monday morning, and then I have training all week, and I've had prep for the training all last week in the beginning of this month, and then a lot of extra after-work activities happen for work as well, so it's just like my meetings keep making my days longer and longer. Just keep meeting and meeting and and keep meeting. And I'm just like, why does it have to be now? Of all times, it's fine. So it's, it's this like roller coaster of stress. Yeah. And I'm trying to be like, I need to pack, but I'm also doing other shit. And I want to live my life at the same time, but I can't. Baby steps. So Baby um, steps. we'll just say my week, highest part was probably seeing my mom and hanging out. And the lowest parts has just been seeing everything. <laughs> else <laughs> seeing me yeah. no I'm just joking <laughs> I was like no this is actually a nice change because I'm not focused on work I'm not focused yeah. on moving I can kind of separate myself and have like you know a little over an hour to myself with my friend yeah chit chatting lots in a room no way out a dim room <laughs> <laughs> no one will hear you scream will they not <laughs> yeah this won't be posted. I mean, no. Yeah. Uh, what? <laughs> but seriously. Sense now. Oh. Wait, wait. No, no. <laughs> Turned into a horror podcast real quick. <laughs> but tell me about your high lows. They, my, mine was short and sweet because it's just literally like my life's falling apart. So. I don't even know where I am right now, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, so it's been that. so freaking hot. My brain is melted. Zero energy, like, I don't know, like, I'd say high, definitely, um, my sister had her baby mm-hmm. yesterday, so, uh, Journey Joe, even though I put joy on my post, on your Instagram, <laughs> on my Snapchat, but oh. Symphony's middle name is Joy, and oh, I feel so like I just cute. was like, but, yeah. Journey Joe. Journey Joe. Well, JJ. Oh. Um, is this the last, last one? Last one. It's the last one. <laughs> she got sorry. her tubes taken out as uh, well. So congrats on that. I'm, and that was a little extra, but okay. <laughs> Wasn't expecting to go down that road, but and kudos to her. And we're going to talk about my personal insides. I'm just kidding. I was like, oh, okay. Because this is her fifth? fifth. This is her That's fifth. what I thought. That's what um, I thought. I was like, she had three, and then I thought the two. So Yeah. Um, she is so freaking precious. She has like the smallest feet I've ever seen. Like, I feel like she was an average sized baby, but her feet are still so tiny. Your mom posted on Facebook, and I was like, so cute. The little feet. And she looks just like my nephew Paxton. Like, she looks so much like Paxton. Which he looks, and I mean this in the nicest way, he looks like a little imp. Like, one of those cute little impish, like, cupids that you see on, like, cards, because he just has the brightest big eyes. He has the biggest eyes. And, and like, his nose goes up, a, but his nose has, freckles. like, a little tiny slope to it, yeah. so it makes him look a little mischievous. Yeah. And, oh, I just see him, and I'm just like, I just want to put you in a wild scenario, like, crazy. He, oh, my God, just he puts himself in wild scenarios. <laughs> <laughs> um... So that was obviously a high. I also yeah. didn't work too much last week, but that was also kind of made me nervous because I have to get work done on my car, and then I leave two weeks from tomorrow when this post. It'll be two weeks from tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. To go to West Virginia. So, like, that's, West like... West Virginia! Really exciting. It's coming up soon, but I'm, like, 
freaking out because like I have to get work done on my car and yeah um but yeah I went to the lake this weekend so that was really fun also it was my last shift at Bare Minerals I know so that was kind of it was a it was really kind of weird excuse me um walking into the mall Sunday like because that wing is just dead like all the stores are either well, closed or closing well like after the pandemic it's like how can well, you well it wasn't even just the pandemic too. it's like they moved the food court to upstairs and we were downstairs and so like if you most people like the food court the traffic we had that traffic but now that it was upstairs like we weren't like there wasn't a lot of traffic over in our wing and so even before it was kind of dead but like there was no music playing in the mall and like the lights were kind of low and I'm like, this is fucking eerie. Like, this is like my last shift. The mall's fucking dead. And I only worked like 12 to 4. And it's just weird. I've been there, been there nine years. Almost will be nine years in October. Right yeah. Now. It's just that's my last on the last shift. That's wild. It's done. Done so. Yeah. It is kind of like, obviously, I would be more sad if Bear was going out of business, but they're not. No. Like, they're just. Closing the doors of that store. Which I get. I mean, like, if they're not getting the sales well, yeah. they used to, and they, they got to, I mean, it's a business. And, you know, we're, like, in that day and age where, like, you have the online, you also have the Sephora and Ulta, Alta. and you don't really have a lot of storefronts that are just makeup. Like, Mm-mm. you don't really have that anymore. Um, like so, Merle I mean, Norman's I honestly... like, the like, only one you ever see, really. <laughs> what? I'm like, Merle Norman's the only one yeah. you ever see, and you're like, how are you still around? I know. You're from, like, the 20s, and he's still kicking. Kudos. Kudos. Um, <laughs> so, I don't... I kind of feel like it's, like, at a good time, because it's, like, one less thing for me to worry about, even though I only work once a month, but that's still, like, one day a month I'll have to myself now. Right, exactly. Or something that you don't have to schedule around. Yeah. Or, you know, plan around, going, oh, dang, the one, I, I forgot I had to work there. Ah, yeah. Like, that day. And, like, every single time that I've been scheduled the last year, I'm like, should I just not go? <laughs> feel that. <laughs> I don't really need to work there no i mean the only reason to work there still is like the discount yeah and so i still am technically employed for another week so i may call a few stores because there was like no product left i was like planning on going in and spending like a bunch of money getting stocked up on my foundation and skincare they didn't even have my foundation color oh my and god I'm not a popular color dang they did not have my pick pick the bones huh yeah heard the sailing well, there's not really sales. We're sending our product out because, like, we're not going out of business. So, That's like, right. So it is just going back to their warehouse if it's unsold. Makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Everyone's like, oh, we have a big sale. I'm like, no. Like, we're not going out of business. Like, we're selling our stuff off our shelves. But, like. It's not like pay less where you're, like, yeah. I'm legitimately going out of business. Yeah. So, but, like, we had, like, the our friends and family. So, like, we had sales. But mm. it was just a normal sale. Right. Nothing too crazy. Um. I will say, I did have one more high. And low is actually a combination. I'm still talking. I'm sorry. <laughs> just kidding. I'm, I'm so sorry. Uh, go. <laughs> I was just going to say, I watched Bo Burnham's Inside. Was it good? I've heard, I've read that it's 
it's literally like literally I was listening to the soundtrack and on the way here and I can't stop thinking of any of the songs and seriously it just I is love a, Bo Burnham. It's a work of fucking art. This it is hits one of those things like fucking gut. I feel like I need to like be there and be present when I watch it and I have it. I, I just, I've been watching Love Island, if that shows you where I'm at right I now get mentally. You. We've so. watched it twice, and each time we're like, this is amazing, he's hilarious, and then like, woof. Yeah. And a good woof, because I mean, like, he just, ever, just it's amazing. Yeah. I just had to throw that out there in case you hadn't seen it. Well, I've been Shameless getting blood. enlightened with the Love Island. <laughs> <laughs> My brain's rotted. <laughs> I'm getting dumber by the second. Yeah. But aren't I pretty? <laughs> I'm so pretty. Yeah. I'm so fit. <laughs> I'm fuming over here. Oh, oh okay. Yeah, I'm so sorry. You're What's, fine. Is that is that the high end low? Yeah. Like oh. it's 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 so Too good. Long. But like woof. Yeah. I've read really good things about it. It's ridiculous. And when I say a work of art, I mean it really is he plays with aspect ratio lighting like he does it it's it's special recorded in one room by himself like he did everything and it's just the artistic direction and everything that is underlying he thought of he thought of it all was beautiful i'm like if he doesn't win all the awards for this i'm very upset i that's how i feel about it personally maybe it just Maybe I'll, like, that's something, like, I'll watch when I'm in West Virginia. There you go. Because, like, I know, like, the week that I'm actually in West Virginia, I don't really have a lot planned. I just want to, like, kind of take it all in. Yeah, relax. Have have an easy day. Like, it is an hour and a half. Like, it's a long one, but it's worth it. But, like, have that time to yourself and then be able to unwind. It's, it's something good. So. Yeah. 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 Anything else since I cut you off? No, <laughs> my brain doesn't work. <laughs> I don't even know how I got here. Melina, we established this <laughs> yeah. literally three minutes yeah. ago. I'm surprised I remembered. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I just feel like I've been doing well with staying home and trying to, you know, be at home and kind of not try and do things all the time. But I'm also, like, trying to do things, like, with the girls more mm-hmm. to where, like, they're not at home all the time. So I feel like I'm balancing better of like not always like when I'm off work it's like a lot of times you know the girls are in bed and it's like okay let's go hang out because like I never get time but it's like I can't say that every single time I get off work like I never get time so like I've been trying to go home right away but also I have like filled days I'm still doing the gym thing and you know we went to the zoo and we did all I don't know I've been doing shit went to the lake it's fun of the lake. The lake. All right. Should we dive in? Let's dive in. I got my swimsuit on and everything. Uh, I am not prepared. I'm sitting in the shade with the parasol. Um, <laughs> sun is not my friend. Um, so, Barbara Giddings. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just want to like, can you even tell that I went to the lake? Because I'm like... <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> sunscreen, sunscreen. I know, sunscreen. I'm like, just dip me in a vat of zinc oxide and we'll be good. Austin's like, that's the darkest I've seen you. I'm like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm still so so white. And I, I'm, I, I'm fine with that. I, 
Oh no, I joke around about it, but I'm like, dude, I understand. I know where I am on the yeah. timeline. I am on the pasty side. I remember, of it. like, when I first started getting nice out, I was like, oh, I might throw on some shorts and take my dogs on the walk with these glow sticks to one of my regulars. And he was like, glow sticks? I was like, my legs. <laughs> yeah, right. We were walking in with very shorts, and I was like, wow, I'm like reflective right now. <laughs> like, I could go biking in the dark it, if like, people could see me. Yeah. Like, I'm like, and also, like, I still look better next to you, Austin, because your chest is literally wider than me, and your arms are dark as fuck, because he works outside. Right, right. And I'm like, you look... <laughs> no, I always joke around saying I'm a step up from paper, because I'm just really pale. But it's like... I also joke, because I have my tattoo on my arm, I'm like, no, look at it. Like, I'm so dark. <laughs> it's, like, really dark. It's almost like there's ink. It's wild. <laughs> All right, so Barbara Giddings. She was born July 31st, 1932, and she passed February 18th, 2007. So, like I said, when I said way back, I meant way back. So, it's pretty exciting. So, Barbara Giddings uh, was a prominent American activist for LGBT equality. She organized the New York chapter of the Daughters of Belitis, D-O-B, I'm it's like a chapter, but yeah. Mm -hmm. From 1958 to 1963, edited the National DOB magazine, The Ladder, from 1963 to 1966, and worked closely with Frank uh, Kamney in the 1960s on the picket lines that brought attention to the ban on employment of gay people by the largest employer in the U.S. at the time, the U.S. government. Uh, her early experiences with trying... To learn more about lesbianism fueled her lifetime work with libraries. In the 1970s, Giddings was most involved in the American Library Association, especially its Gay Caucus, the first such in a professional organization in order to promote positive literature about homosexuality in libraries. I mean, like, remember, think about the time. Like, this is in the 50s and 60s. There's, there's nothing. She was part of uh, the movement to get the American Psychiatric Association to drop homosexuality as a mental illness in 1972. I was going to say, they were putting people in mental yep. institutions mm -hmm. for this uh, her, at that point. Exactly. Her self Which just is just ridiculous. I mean, it's still, it literally still happens in we, some I mean, communities. I we, mean, we have conversion camps that tell you everything like you need to know. the gayest thing. I know. <laughs> Let's send all of the gays and let's see if we can change it. I'm like, if it wasn't for the terrible isn't there a torture, movie that, be like, there's a movie that's like about this girl that gets set and she's like, what were y'all thinking? I have no idea. That has to It's be. still awful and I don't wish that on anybody. No, but no. I'm just like, minus the crazy <laughs> torture, it's a party, right? It's wonderful. JK, that was <laughs> no. sarcasm. Uh, her self-described life mission was to tear away the shroud of his invisibility related to homosexuality which had therefore been associated with crime and mental illness. Um, she was awarded a lifetime membership in the American Library Association, and the ALA named an annual award for the best gay or lesbian novel, the Barbara Gidding Award. The Gay Le and Lesbian Alliance Against Defamation, or GLAD, uh, also named an activist award after her. At her memorial service, Matt Foreman, the executive director of the National Gay and Lesbian Task Force, said... What do we owe Barbara? Everything. So, 
I thought she was pretty interesting because she took a completely different route, but I think it was still a very important route. Yeah. Because, uh, I mean, this is before the internet, so every everywhere you got your information, it was from books and libraries, so mm-hmm. that is like a key point. So if you're trying to discover something about yourself, what do you do? You get self-help books, you, or you look online now. Same thing. She I'm trying, trying to figure to out about myself. Influence the people that were nobody talked to get about learning. homosexuality because shh, don't you dare, or you're going to go to, you know, an institution yeah. or to jail. So it's like, so it's really neat. So getting into the nitty gritty. So Barbara was born in Vienna, Austria, where her father was serving as a U.S. diplomat. Barbara and her siblings attended Catholic school in Montreal. She was immersed in Catholicism at one point in her childhood and considered being a nun. I think that's kind of funny. I'm sorry. The soon, as soon as you said Austria, I was like, Sound of Music? Yeah, she was part of Sound of Music. <laughs> she was... Yeah. yeah, she was one of them. She was one, one of, of the Von Trapps, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, she's yeah. talking. Uh, her family... Turned, no. <laughs> her family returned to the United States um, at the outbreak of World War II and settled in Wilmington, Delaware. Although aware of her attraction to other girls, getting said her, uh, she first heard the word homosexual when she was re- rejected for membership in the National Honor Society in high school. Despite being an excellent student, a teacher who had reservations about her character took her, took her aside and told her that the rejection was based on what the teacher believed were homosexual inclinations. What the fuck? Right? Also, go her. She was like that gay that even the teacher was like, you may not even know, but no. <laughs> I'm just like, where press? I feel like we've touched on it before, but like the teacher that holds somebody back is like... The worst. Why are you a fucking teacher? You're there... I guess if you think, I'm there to mold minds, it's like... No, you're there you're, to set your own agenda. <laughs> no, yeah, like... It's terrible, but I'm just like, who says that? I mean, like, that's basically, they don't even know who they are at that point. Like, what are you doing? Like, going, you probably have homosexual inclinations. You don't get this award for being a good student, which we tell you to be. Makes no sense. Just like, who says, just, hi, let me out you before you even know what that is. Yeah. It's terrible. So... While majoring uh, in drama at Northwest University, Giddings developed a close but non-sexual relationship with another female student, prompting rumors that the two were lesbians, which led to Giddings to examine her own sexual orientation. So she was beginning to go, what's going on here? Uh, And in her attempt to understand it, she had her suspicions confirmed by a psychiatrist who offered to cure her. Not having enough money to make regular visits, she was unable to get the money from her father, who reasoned there was no problem with a psychiatrist, oh my God, who could solve uh, that a priest couldn't. So basically like, you don't need no fancy doctors, God will save you. It's just like heartbreaking that for so long people instill, some people think that there's something wrong with them that needs to be fixed. Well, I mean like even... And it goes on to say, like, close friends suggested that they see less of each other not to, you know, further encourage the rumors about them. So, like, now you can't even be friends with somebody who's gay if you happen to be the same sex or identify as the same. (laughs) Okay, good to know, good to know. So she decided to try and understand more about the quote-unquote issue that she was having and took it upon herself to read 
up on it. She found very little, and much of what she found described homosexuals as deviants, perverts, and abnormal in medical books and textbooks on abnormal psychology or odd generalizations that stated homosexuals were unable to whistle or their favorite color was green. Just, you know, weird, stupid, nonsensical <laughs> facts. Oh, well, my favorite color is green. Hey! <laughs> Coming to Prime! My favorite color is yellow. Mine's green. What does that mean? I don't know. Clear? Yep. Well, no, no, it's not green. You're in the clear. If you're queer, you're not. What's wrong with me? Why am I not queer? <laughs> she found all the information focused on homosexual men. She felt like there was something more. She re her research took up much more of her time at Northwest, and she ended up failing out of school. So she said, fuck school, I'm figuring this shit out, basically. I'm going to do my own learning. That's basically what she did. Yeah. So, um... <clears throat> Getting found a pur uh, purpose during this time, saying, My mission was not to get a general education, but to find out about myself and what my life would be like. So I stopped going to classes and started going to the library. There were no organizations to turn to in those days. Only libraries were safe, although the information contained was dismal. Yeah. So it's like, that makes perfect sense. I mean, yeah. obviously, she already had bad experiences with teachers not trusting her and trying to fight her. Why would you want to go back like no I wouldn't want to go back to class either like no fuck you <laughs> like no so at 17 she returned from northwest in disgrace after failing out of school and unable to tell her family why this seems so isolating and it's so I'm I mean not everyone comes out of that on the other side like she did mm -hmm. and that's what's heartbreaking is there's so many there's so many stories so that we don't many know. So Yeah, yeah. And they could have ended sooner than they should have because of certain things. Because they they were up in a wall and they just didn't have that one little kick to get them somewhere else or a friend to get them somewhere else. Um, but she was compelled, compelled to continue her info, her search for information. Yeah. She's like, fuck this. She's I'm hungry. She wants to know. know. Yeah, yeah, she... she she had a little taste of the fruit, and now she needs to know. Uh, so she found more of the novels available at the time, which were Nightwood, The Well of Loneliness, and Extraordinary Women. Soon thereafter, her father discovered The Well of Loneliness and a pile of other things in her bedroom. She, he was so appalled uh, at what he had found that he instructed her to burn the book, but did so in a letter because he was unable to actually like talk to her face-to-face -face about it. Because it's like, it's it's a well-known, very lesbian-heavy novel. And so it was like, you have to burn that, write it in a note. Like, could you imagine if your family was talking to you that way? Just, oh my God, just not so impersonal. So still eager to learn more about homosexuality. Giddings took a night course on abnormal psychology where she met a woman with whom she had a brief affair at her first. Woohoo! At 18, she left home to be on her own and moved to Philadelphia. So after that, she was like, deuces, out of here. So she began to uh, hitchhike on weekends to New York City, dressed as a man to visit gay bars since she knew uh, she, she didn't know of any in Philadelphia and knew of no other places to go uh, to get plunged into the gay community. However, Giddings found very little in common with the women she met at the bars. And after witnessing a gay male acquaintance get beaten up after leaving a bar, began to focus her energies on collecting books. So it probably was a little too intense 
but everybody has their direction that they have to fight. Some people are brawlers and some people are scholars. Put that on a put that on a shirt. Let's do it. TM Melinda Brony. I'm writing this down. <laughs> are you a brawler or a scholar? <laughs> Some people are brawlers and some people are scholars. And some people are both. And some people are both. I would like to think that I'm more of a scholar, but I know that I'm probably a little bit of both, even though I am not you a very... You are feisty, I, you're also a scholar. <laughs> right, like... And a gentleman. And a gentleman. Um, no, I feel like I would... Uh, I, Having not been in a big, real fight before, like, throw down... You it's hard for brothers. me to say that I'm a baller. I didn't have brothers. You're a baller. I didn't say baller. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> brawler. I'm a baller. No, um, a brawler. This is, sorry, this is sleep deprivation coming out. I'm really sorry. No, but, like, it's, uh, I, I've gotten feisty enough where I'm like, let's go. I almost started one in sixth grade. That was fun. Mm. Spicy. Oh, so, I'd gotten fights in elementary school. Uh, mine were mostly got, verbal. Mine were mostly verbal as well. Like, I would, there was one kid that um, I would just like. We would when just, I first started uh, drinking, if I drank tequila, I was like mean. very feisty towards men. Mm. I'm still very why. feisty towards men. Well, makes sense. All right, so now we're getting into kind of more of her. Uh, Scholar. Yeah, her scholar years. Um, so in 1956, Giddings traveled to California on the advice of Daniel Webster Corey to visit the office of the new One, Inc., an early homophile organization that dedicated itself to providing support to homosexuals in the United States. While in California, she met Phyllis uh, Lyon and Del Martin, who had co-founded the Daughters of Bilitis, D.O.B., um, in San Francisco. At her first meeting of the DOB in someone's living room, Giddings brought up the obscurity of the name, which she thought was impractical, <laughs> impractical, difficult to pronounce and spell, and reference to a fictional bisexual character, not even homosexual. Obviously, this is in the 50s. Bisexuals are part of the community, and they are real, and they are valid. <laughs> I'm like, <"This, laughs> it's like 50s. It was a little bit more black and white. When it came to that, um, so I mean, some people still feel like it's I know, and that's so the stupidest bullshit I've ever heard in my entire life. There's a lot of stupid bullshit that people feel, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying here to play devil's advocate. I'm just like I, I've said before. I feel like sometimes I have to remind myself that like not everyone things like I do mm-hmm. and like we have not really crossed the finish line because there's still so much more we have to do and seriously continue. and I always feel when I when I read these things and you know how these people felt and things like that I do go unfortunately this they're still a bit problematic yeah. in there and, and it could be have, a product yeah. of what they were seeing at the time like I don't know how I mean like I don't know if like in 2007 she was like I rebuke what I said like I don't know this yeah you know? I definitely you know, people so I always feel like change. I'm like, I swear to God, I do not affiliate myself with these words. These are hers, not mine. This is research, not me. <laughs> like, please. She's a yourself. scholar. She's a scholar. And a gentle lady. And a gentle lady. <laughs> a gentle lass. Gentle lass. Oh, my God. Okay. Um, so in 1958, Martin Lyon uh, asked Giddings to start a chapter in New York, which she did with less than a dozen women responded to her notice in the Manhattan, uh, no, in the Ma- 
Mattachine Society newsletter asking for all women of New York area who are interested in forming a chapter of the DOB on September 20th in 1958, getting served as the chapter's first president for three years from 1958 to 1961, uh, the year she met Kate K. Tobin. While president of the DOB in New York, attending members' uh, numbers between 10 and 40 per meeting, so getting bigger, um, they met twice a month. Uh, and often invited doctors, psychiatrists, ministers, and attorneys to address their meetings, even if the message was clearly disparaging to lesbians. Getting, uh, Giddings admitted the early meetings and writing in the DOB uh, urged their members to not upset mainstream homosexual society. The integration uh, and acceptance would be one if heterosexuals could see the gays and lesbians were not dramatically different from themselves. She worked in clerical. So I like that's kind of going back to what I said earlier, like way earlier. It's just like needing to hide. We need to stay this, and this is how we're gonna win the war. It's like mm, yes and no. <laughs> There's a lot of ways to get to where you're going. Well, and even to survive. Yeah. I mean, sometimes that's what it boils down to too. Go. This is we're gonna be able to be ourselves, but we also have to survive. Yeah. Because. People can get snatched like it's insane. So, um, do, 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 do. she worked in clerical positions during this time. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> spending ten years as a mimeograph operator uh, for an architectural firm. The New York chapter of the DOB distributed a newsletter uh, to about 150 people, and getting worked on it while being required to stay overtime at her job. In 1959, after using company envelopes to mail their newsletters out and covering the firm's name with a sticker, uh, someone wrote to the firm to notify them that a newsletter addressing lesbianism was being distributed. Whoopsies. Giddings was sure that she would be fired, but her boss, a woman, stated cryptically that she was familiar with the topic, having served in the armed forces. She was not fired, but cautioned to be more careful instead. Women empowering women! <laughs> Love that. I got chills. <laughs> right? Like, just like, fuck, I'm fucked. And then it's just like, oh, yeah, I, I know all about that with the uh, armed forces. Just be uh, careful out there. Ahem. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like, ooh, so insane. So, the latter. From 1963 to 1966, she edited the organization's magazine, The Ladder. Uh, following both Lynn and Martin as editors, although the the DOB did not uh, did take a political stand in the 1959 San Francisco mayoral race, Lynn, uh, Martin and Lyon uh, preferred the latter to remain apolitical. Giddings was impressed with how her influence as editor impacted the magazine and the opinions of its readers. I discover the power of press, the power to put in what you want in order to influence readers, she said. In 1963, convention uh, of the newly formed East Coast homophile organizations, the audience heard a speaker named Dr. Albert Ellis tell them that the exclusive, yeah, make a germ reading right here, the exclusive homosexual, quote unquote, was a psychopath. Articles and essays in 
the latter sometimes carried these viewpoints since it was difficult to get psychiatrists and doctors to address homosexuality in any form. However, after Dr. Ellis spoke, so did gay activist Frank Camney, making an impression upon Giddings with his point that it is useless to try to find cures and causes for homosexuality since there is no valid evidence that it is an illness. So, trying to drop back to the medical community in the 50s and 60s. Ridiculous. Giddings began to implement changes in the latter and included adding a lesbian review underneath the title of the cover and replacing the line drawings on the cover with photographs of actual lesbians, often taken by her partner, Kay Lawson. Um, Giddings distributed the latter in six bookstores in New York and Philadelphia, and one Greenwich Village store displayed the magazine prominently, selling 100 copies a month, which is not bad in that time for that kind of content. Because, you know, it's still like hush-hush. I'd love to sell 100 episodes a month. <laughs> Come on, don't you want to sponsor us? We're beautiful. <laughs> can't you tell? <laughs> you can t- can't you tell by the sound of a voice? Can't you tell? Well, maybe if you, maybe if I actually, like, talked in a normal voice for once. People... What do you even sound like? I don't even Who know. Who are you? I don't know. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. The focus of the magazine shifted as well to tackle more controversial issues to spark debate, printing such articles titled, I Hate Women, remarking on women who are politically apathetic, uh, and to act or to teach. Uh, That was a back-and-forth debate on whether it was more effective to educate the public or take political action. And it's like, hmm, interesting. Um, so then we're getting into... Is that kind of like, are you a brawler or a scholar? <laughs> I know, right? Like, is that seriously going to be like a thing? Brawler or a scholar? <laughs> oh my God, why we're am I... We're getting t-shirts and we're going to get visors because they're making a comeback. They're making a comeback. As long as I get to wear them with my high ponytail. Yeah. And my Adidas pants that are snap-aways. Because, I mean, hats don't fit my fat hair. Um, I just don't like hats. They hurt my head. <laughs> I literally cannot wear hats because my hair is way too fat. I, I know your hair. I, I've seen you try and wear a hat a couple times, and you usually have a giant ponytail. Barely. I can't. No. It's been, it I, slowly moves up because my hair pushes it up, so visors are coming back, bitches. I got this. I need, I need sh- my face shaved. All right, so thanks for sticking with us. I know I got a lot of information, but when you're doing shit for like, uh, you know, 50 years, it kind of adds up. Yeah. So now we're going to go into the protests. So fun stuff. So getting participated in many of the earliest LGBT actions in the United States. In 1965, getting marched in the first gay picket lines at the White House, the U.S. State Department, and the Independent Hall in Philadelphia to protest federal government policies on discrimination of homosexuals, holding a sign that read, Sexual preference is irrelevant to the federal government. I just love that. Sexual preference. Yeah, just preference is irrelevant to the federal government. It is. Like, what does that have to do with you? Um, the men who agreed to picket had to wear suits and ties. The women who participated were to wear dresses, heels, and pantyhose as, so as to look 
employable by the federal government. Uh, leaflets were distributed by passerbys that described the reasons for picketing, surprising some recipients who were unaware gays and lesbians could be fired so easily and disgusting others. Giddings remembered, it was risky and we were scared. Picketing was not a popular tactic at the time and our cause seemed outlandish even to most gay people. The evening prior to the group's picketing, the State Department Secretary of State, Dean Rusk, announced the pickets at the press conference. Giddings connected the high-profile visibility with a breakthrough into mainstream publicity. It's like, ah, oh, now people are going to be talking about us. Yeah, and free PR, baby. <laughs> oh, there it is. <laughs> oh my gosh! All publicity is good publicity. I was just like, "What is that saying?" Thank you for thinking of it. You're so welcome. Sometimes my brain works. <laughs> I'm glad it does because mine's starting to putter out. It's Thanks. a good thing I'm reading because otherwise I'd be like things and words, <laughs> nouns. <laughs> and then they went to a place. And then, then you would sound like me when I do mine. I'm like, you know, I just can't. I can't remember. I just. <laughs> <laughs> Look it up. <laughs> Hold on, let me Google. Uh, from 1965 to 1969, she and Frank Camney led the annual reminder picketing at Independence Hall in Philadelphia on July 4th until the Stonewall Riots in June 1969. After the riots, the annual Gay Pride Parade com uh, commemorating the riots took place. Uh, differences in Giddings' political stance and leadership in the DOB began to show. Uh, and came to a culmination in 1966 when she was ousted as the director of, of, of the editor of the latter for, as one source claims, cre creating the issue that reported on the DOB convention late. But according to another source, because she removed four adults only on the cover of the magazine without consulting the DOB. I love that she was like, no, everybody needs to read this. The, yeah. the teens need to read this because that's when they're figuring this shit out yeah. for real, for real. Like, kids know, but, like, it's not until you're really becoming an adult and hormones Especially, are happening. Especially, like, when you grow up in a household that has completely different views that you do. Or shoes it under the rug, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, information like that is, like, it's yeah. so valuable. Uh, in November 1967, Giddings and Camney worked together to co-counsel in hearings held by the Department of Defense to discredit an expert witness named Dr. Charles, I'm going to butcher his name, Sicardius. Sicardius? Sicardius? I don't know. Who testified that homosexuals could be converted to heterosexuality. So basically this dickwad. <laughs> I don't care if I can't fucking say anything. Uh, who basically is like, I'm going to just say the father of conversion therapy because he testified that homosexuals could be converted to heterosexuality and to call in question the policy held by the Department of Defense that homosexual employees could be fired for being named homosexuals. Publicity was the objective, Giddings recalled many years later. Camney and Giddings dressed conservatively but wore buttons that say, gay is good and pray for sodomy. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> In your face. Yeah, just like, I look very prim and proper, but fuck you! <laughs> Getting made hundreds uh, of appearances as speakers in the late 1960s, 
She carried on her mission to convince heterosexuals and homosexuals alike that homosexuality is not an illness, stating in a letter in 1967, I keep trying to convince people in the movement that change, uh, that the charge of sickness is perhaps our greatest problem. We cannot really progress in other directions until the unsubstantiated assumption of sickness is diminished or demolished. Uh, it's al almost always there, however slyly or covertly or even unconsciously, however sympathetic the person, the attitude, the homosexual is somehow undesirable some sort of twist or malfunction or failure or maladaption or other kind of psychotic sickness. And in our society, sick people, by any definition of sick, just do not get equal treatment. Equal treatment, no more, no less, is what we want. And compassion, which many homosexuals gladly swallow because they think it represents an improvement in attitude towards them. It's not equal treatment. Basically, like, treat us like fucking people. We're not fucking sick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so now we're getting into the American Library Association in the 70s and kind of into those. So in the 70s, getting to continue to research for resources in libraries that addressed homosexuality in a positive, supportive way. In discussing her pursuit for the improvement of materials for gays and lesbians in the libraries, she said, For years, I would haunt libraries and secondhand bookshops trying to find stories to read about my people. And then I became active in other arenas of the gay rights movement. But I always kept an eye on emerging literature. It began to talk about homosexuals who were healthy and happy and wholesome and who had good lives. That rang the bells for me. Libraries. Gay books. <laughs> gay books. Gay books. Uh, Giddings found a home in, gay in the gay group that formed in 1970 in the American Library Association, the first gay caucus in the professional association that became its coordinator in 1971. She published, uh, no, she pushed the American Library Association for more visibility for gay and lesbians in the profession. She staffed a, uh, she staffed a kissing booth at the National Convention in, <laughs> of the ALA in Dallas in 1971 underneath the banner, hug a homosexual with a woman only side and a men only side. When no one took advantage of it, uh, of it she was, uh, she and Patience and Sarah author Alma Rouse Dong Pet, uh, pen name Isabel Miller. So if you're interested in reading the books, uh, kissed in front of a rolling television camera. Watch out. Oh. I know. I'm just like, to me, that's a big like, fuck you. Um, so the American Psychiatric Association. In 1972, Giddings and Camney organized a discussion with the American Psychiatric Association entitled Psychiatric uh, Psychiatry, friend or foe to homosexuals, a dialogue where a panel of psychiatrists were to discuss homosexuality when Giddings' partner, Kay Tobin Lawson, noticed that all the psychiatrists were heterosexuals She protested. A gay psychiatrist in Philadelphia finally agreed to appear on the panel in heavy disguise and with a voice-distorting microphone, calling himself Dr. H. Anonymous. He was John E. Fryer, and he discussed how he was forced to be closeted while practicing psychiatry. Giddings read aloud letters from psychiatrists she has socialized who declined to appear for fear of professional uh, ostracism. Uh, she described the event as transformative. 
because it just shows you like you can't even be in your own profession you have to be closeted especially a profession that i mean we're literally sitting here recording in a counseling office right like it's important. This is somewhere you go to find healing, to work on your shit, and, like, You're there. you want to be able to go and open up, but, like... Your psychiatrist can't even do that about themselves. Yeah. And you shouldn't have to be there, go and be scared that, like, you're going to get sent away. Right. Like, that's just... Oh, it's so scary. So, in 1973... Homosexuality was removed from the Diagnostics and Statistical Manual as the mental disorder. In getting celebrated by being photographed with the Philadelphia newspaper headline, 20 million homosexuals gain instant cure. I love that. I know. Uh, getting spent 16 years working with libraries and campaigning to get positive gay and lesbian-themed materials into libraries and to eliminate censorship and job discrimination. She wrote, Gays in Library Land, the Gay the Gay and Lesbian Task Force of the American Library Association, the first 16 years. A brief history of the group uh, she helped start and then called the National Gay Task Force, later to be named the National Gay and Lesbian Task Force in 1973. Getting served on the board of the National Gay and Lesbian Task Force throughout the 1980s. She inspired nurses to form the Gay Nurses Alliance in 1973. She held exhibits uh, at APA conventions in 1972, 1976, and 1978. Her last one being Gay Love, Good Medicine, that portrayed gays as happy and healthy. Love it. So I'll give you a little, little bit about her actually, like, personal, personal life, and then about her legacy. Um, we're, we're on the tail end. Those were her big formative years, for sure. So she had a lifelong partner, Kay Tobin, also known as Kay Tobin Lawson, born in 1930. Uh, they met in 1961 at a picnic in Rhode Island, getting described how they met. We hit it off. We started courting. I flew to Boston to see her, got off the plane with a big bunch of flowers in hand. I couldn't resist. I did not care what the world thought. I dropped the flowers, grabbed her, and kissed her. That was not being done in 1961. Giddings and Lawson's were together for 46 years. I know, so sweet. Uh, in 1987, Giddings and Lawson, Lawson's uh, pushed the American Association of Retired Persons, or AARP, to grant couples membership to them for a reduced price on health insurance. One of her last acts as an activist was to come out in the newsletter published by the assisted living facility they resided in on November. I love that. Just like, I'm out. What are you going to do about it? <laughs> on February 18th, 2007, getting signed in Kennett Square, Pennsylvania, after a long battle with breast cancer. Especially when you think about they were doing this when no one else was doing it. So, like, you're in a retirement community where it's like, these those, people were the people who They were, were the people that were oppressing you. Yeah. And you're still just like, big dick swinging. Yeah. I guess here we are. Yeah. Look how far we've come. Brawler and a scrawler. Yeah, brawler. I'm brawling through my scholar and for you. Just take a <laughs> pick at that and I will right. continue. Right. So, um, yeah, it was great. So, I would say in 1999, getting summed up her inspiration for her activism. As a teenager, I had to struggle alone to learn about myself and what it meant to be gay. Now, for 
48 years, I've had the satisfaction of working with other gay people all across the country to get the bigots off our backs, the oil, the closet, uh, to oil the closet door hinges, to change pre prejudice hearts and minds, and to show that gay love is good for us and the rest of the world too. It's hard work, but it's vital and it's gratifying and it's often fun. <laughs> I love it. I know. She was a spitfire. So her, her legacy is pretty intense, but thankfully it's like little tidbits of it. So um, getting appeared in the documentary films, uh, Gay Pioneers Before Stonewall, After Stonewall, Out of the Past, and Pride Divide. So a lot of them. Uh, in 1999, Giddings was honored for her contributions in the LGBT uh, cause at the 7th Annual Pride Fest America in Philadelphia. The organization described Giddings as the Rosa Parks of the gay lesbian rights movement, which I wouldn't... Re I understand what they were trying to say, but they probably shouldn't say it that way. <laughs> yeah. I'm just like... Kind of, I get what you're saying because it's like struggles and struggles. I but get it. I feel like obviously Rosa Parks had a big play in it, but like, I feel like you do to compare somebody who fought for this their entire life to, I mean, oh, I don't want to just no, discredit no. Rosa Parks, but like, sh like I know she what you're was, saying. She was tired and she was like, I'm fucking sick of this shit. Right. And I don't know. I just. Yeah. 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 No, I, I 100% understand. It's like, mm, could have thought of a better analogy. Yeah. But I understand, I understand where you're going with sentiment. Just feel like the execution was just way off. Yeah. Uh, in 2001, the Gay and Lesbian Alliance Against Defama De Defamation honored Giddings by bestowing her the Lifetime Barbara Giddings Award. Um, highlighting dedication to activism and the Free Library of Philadelphia announced its Barbara Giddings collection of books dedicated to gay and lesbian issues. There are more than 2,000 items in the collection, the second largest gay and lesbian collection of books in the U.S. outside of the San Francisco Public Library. Uh, as recognition for Giddings' contributions to the promotion of gay and lesbian literature in 2002, the Gay and Lesbian, Bisexual, and Transgender Roundtable of the ALA renamed one of their three book awards, the Stonewall Book Award, Barbara Gidding Literature Award. In 2003, the American Library Association awarded, rewarded her with the highest tribute lifetime honorary membership in Philadelphia Progress series of murals by Anne Northrup, located at 15, no, 1315 Spruce Street, Center, Center City, Philadelphia, if you ever want to check it out, features an image of Barbara Giddings in oh, the no. Pride and Progress mural. Hey, you're, you're, going, to, you're going to Philadelphia. I'm no. going to Philadelphia. So, yeah, go there. Now, now you know where to go. I'm going to go there. Take pictures. Um, oh, she went there. in the painting. You can see a man pass, uh, passing up a poster, oh, pasting up a poster that shows part of the annual reminder picket from the from 1966. So in the mural, you see a guy going, "Don't forget this." And it's pretty cool. So um, in 2006, Giddings and Frank uh, Camney received the first J. E. Fryer M.D. award from the. Uh, American Psychiatric Association. The award goes to people who have made a significant impact on the mental health of gay and lesbians. And in October of that year, the Smithsonian Institute required, uh, acquired a sign she carried in the picketing in 1965 donated by Frank Gamney. 
and 2007 readers of The Advocate included Giddings on their list of their 40 favorite gay and lesbian heroes. Giddings and her partner Kay Tobin Lauren donated copies of some murals and photographs covering their activism to Cornwall, uh, Cornell University rare and manuscript collection. In 2007, Lawson donated all of their original papers and photographs to the New York City Public Library. I'm telling you, she's, she's something. Um, the um, University of Massachusetts Amherst Main Library received a donation of over a thousand of Giddings and Lawson's books in 2007. It is the Giddings Lawson Gay Book Collection. Call. Okay. Um, in. Call it okay. Call? No. <laughs> I was like, eh. uh, On October 1st, 2012, the city of Philadelphia named a section of Locust Street Barbara Gitson Way in Giddings, uh, Giddings Way in Giddings Memory. Also in 2012, she was uh, inducted into the Legacy Walk, an outdoor public display which celebrates LGBT history and people. And June 2019, Giddings was one of the inaugural 50 American Pioneers, Trailblazers, and Heroes inducted on the National LGBTQ Wall of Honor within the Stonewall National Monument in New York City's Stonewall Inn. The uh, Stonewall National Monument is the first U.S. national uh, monument dedicated to LGBTQ rights and history. The wall unveiling was timed to take place during the 50th anniversary of the Stonewall riots, which I kind of mentioned a little bit in Sylvia Riviera. Yes. So they're together. There they are. They're together. Um, Queens it's together. crazy to think that like we haven't really had pride since the 50th anniversary. Mm-hmm. She's amazing. So I mean, we've had pride, but right, it's not. We haven't had pride. So I know, like I said, I know that was a lot of words. That was a lot to go through. So thanks for your patience with me. She did so much, and like I said, she did a lot in the in the front, but she did a lot in the background. Yeah, like opening up all of that. I mean, helping to make homosexuality not considered a and mental I illness. Feel like the amount of like. She, just listening I just feel like she was such a cheerleader because she also had obviously a way with people to mm-hmm. be like don't you you feel that way don't you feel that way let's do something about it oh and like, yeah all these other moving pieces like you know I think she seemed yeah. like a firecracker like a little yeah. bit of like oh I'll get a little persnickety but I'm charming as fuck yeah. <laughs> and I'm not afraid to fight but I'll fight in a good educational way and not in a overtly combative way it's kind of weird I feel like I I feel like the people I've talked about yeah, are completely yeah. polar opposites where I understand why each of them did the activism the way they did and changed the world the way they changed it well and that's you know the <laughs> beautiful part about humanity is like everyone is different and they lead different lives even though they're in the same community they have different approaches well and i think it really shows that you really do need almost both you need the people who are are brazen enough to just be in your face about the issue and tell you why they're upset about it and educate you on these things and then you have the people who are like i'm gonna do all the nitty-gritty that you can't do but we can always come together and do what we need to together. Because, yeah. I mean, she, Sylvia, you know, created a, um, an organization just like 
Barbara. 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 I know. I referred to her last, as her last name so much. I was like, what's her first name again? Barbara. <laughs> again, sleep deprivation. I'm sorry. Um, but yeah, we can go and talk about uh, some of our our little side extra bonus icons. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> do you want to do your bonus icon? I can do my bonus icon. I thought I was doing somebody as well this week, but we can just do Oh, you can one. do yours. Well, it's just a long episode. Where are we at? An hour. I can always just do two. You can do your hour. You can do yours. <laughs> you can do your hour. No, let's just do it next time because <laughs> we're tired. I was like, you can do it. I can. I don't know why I thought we were both doing something. I can week. man up. I can man up. No, it's fine. I'm tired. But I do. I have two people, so it doesn't matter. Um, I accidentally left our, our book at my house because yes. I worked all day and our brains are melted. Mm-hmm. But we do have like little yeah. tidbits of So people. I already knew who I was going to read off of in that book. I did not have it memorized, so bear with me. Um, Sandra Bernhard. Oh, I love her. Yes. So um, I wanted to pick her because she is a comedian and I once thought I was funny. <laughs> once upon a dream. Yeah. And then, I don't know, I had kids and you got tired and here I am. Um, anyway, she was born June 6, 1955. American actress, comedian, uh, singer, and author. Uh, she first gained attention in the 1970s for her stand-up. She did a lot of work at the uh, comedy store, which if you know anything, that's kind of oh, like, like, like where the it's the store. I mean, like that yeah. the store, the comedy club, I should say. Because, I mean, yeah. Seinfeld, I mean... Literally everybody. Everybody that yeah. you can think of that was huge, especially yeah. in the 70s. I mean, Robin Williams was there. Yeah. 70s, and even 80s. now, like, there's there's no one. That's where you That's where that's comedians where still go. go. That's where you go. That's where comedians still go. Yeah. yeah. Um, but she gained her, most of her speed on the Richard Pryor show in 1977. Um, and... Oh, she won a National Society of Film Critics Award for Best Supporting Actress um, for The King of Comedy, which is like, she that's what she's like most known for. But she currently um, is in Pose as Nurse Judy. Oh, she's in Pose? Yeah. I haven't gotten super far into Pose, but I love it. Like, yeah, I, it's That great. first episode hit me in my fucking gut, and I was like, I need to watch more, but I just haven't had time. It's great. Um, but she had just, like, I'm, I know her, and I know her work, but I remember when I read the blurb in the book that, you know, she just had a different approach to her, her comedy, especially when you're thinking about women in comedy in the 70s. Mm-hmm. Uh, you kind of have to be a firecracker. Oh, and yeah. She really broke a lot of molds. Like, yeah. I don't think she gets it. She... Needs to be up there with mold breaking, just like Phil Stiller. Like, yeah, Phil Stiller started it with her quick wit and did all of that. But then you have Sa- uh, Sandra, and she's just like, "Oh, I'm gonna play the boys' game, yep. the boys' way, instead of my own different way of showing you that I can play the boys' game." Like, she was like, "No, I'll just play tit for tat." Yeah, let's go. And yeah, I just. 
was flipping through and I was like, yeah, um, do you know her? She has a lot, like, I feel like what I know her from and like me just looking at, like right now I'm looking at all of the stuff and like, if you don't recognize the name, if you saw her, you would know. Oh. You're like, oh, if, she's in, she's in all kinds of if stuff. If you ever watched any Comedy Central in the early 2000s and 90s and you saw their stand-up specials that they would actually run, you saw her at least twice a week. Yeah. Because her specials were always phenomenal. Anytime they were doing their like big comedy thing, they had like three or four of hers and they would always just cycle through them. It was always great. Yeah. I, I mean, loved it. Yeah, and I didn't know she did music too, but she she does music. Yeah. Multi talented lady. Yeah, she's from Flint, Michigan. What's up, Flint? Yeah. I didn't know she was an author either, so yeah, that's that's my gal. That's your lady. Yeah. Um, I'm going to just briefly talk about Harvey Milk. I know he could probably have his entire own episode because he's an interesting man. Um, so this man's achievements can't be overstated at all. Like in 1977, he was the first openly gay man elected to public office in the U.S. state of California, uh, joining the San Francisco Board of Supervisors. Didn't that like recently just happen for a lesbian? Yeah, I think so. Probably. But first, openly gay man. Uh, His pride is simply being himself on a major civic platform uh, was a turning point for the LGBTQ community. Um, He was, uh, his life was cut short. A year later, he was murdered by Dan White, one of his town hall colleagues. They did make a movie about this with Sean Penn, and it's just called Milk. But it's you know, his campaign is pretty much the movie, kind of him. I think it's like a little bit of his life, but it's him campaigning and the switch. And uh, yeah, so although his office was less than a year, he saw a law pass where gay people could not be discriminated against when applying for jobs or seeking employment. Uh, he also encouraged the San Francisco Police Department to recruit more LGBT officers but its greatest achievement is considered to be successfully fighting Proposition 6, which attempted to ban gay teachers from working in California's public school and fire staff who supported gay rights. So he was able to do a lot in his short little time in office, but it's it's so sad. And if I remember correctly, this Dan White guy, he his excuse for shooting me is like complete and utter bullshit. And of course you hear it and you're like, no, See, that sounds like a I hate mean, crime. I was in, I was in late seventies, yeah. early eighties. So like 70, he's probably not yeah. in jail anymore. Or is dead. <laughs> if they're old. <laughs> Depends on how old he was when he was like in I office, did like five but, years and then got out. But yeah, he was, uh, was like, you could just kill people back in the day and they're like, oh, they seem like they've changed. Yeah, exactly. It was one time. He killed someone one time. Oh, they were, also the fact that he was gay. Yeah, he was gay. I mean, because we're terrible humans. We don't know any better, man. But we do know better. But we were just decided not to. But I highly suggest reading up on Harvey Milk because it's really his story is very, very compelling. And I wanted to at least mention him. I was yeah. actually toying between Sorry, doing. I'm like so mad. Over I know you're like you son of a bitch. Um, I really was toying with him, doing him more Barbara. I was going back and forth, but I was like, I'll make sure I just mention him because he is such an important 
character, and I know I just watered it down so badly. Still better than what I am. Okay, she's great. Um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, I hope you enjoy learning about Barbara. She was fantastic. Barbara. Uh, without her, I wouldn't have some of my favorite books. So I guess that's a a good a win win. And uh, I'm glad that she was able to bring that diversity out there in what she could do during her time. So she definitely paved the way to help us change and take what she did and just revamp it and make it a little better. Yeah, be a scholar and a brawler. Mm-hmm. That is just going to be the tagline. Yeah, in Every day I'm brawlering. <laughs> scholaring. Hustling, man. <laughs> My back hurts. But I'm curious to hear uh, um, what your thoughts are on Barbara. If you have any really good books that are um, part of, have a strong LGBTQ. Are you reading any good books right now? Am I reading any good books right now? I don't have fucking time to read. I have mm -hmm. like four books that I want to read. And it's like, I just haven't had the time. I'm sorry. I didn't realize it was such a touchy subject. I love reading. Like, less. <laughs> yeah, it was terrible. But um, like, I'm like, I love reading and I can't even do it because I'm so busy. And I'm like, I'm putting up my books today. And I'm like, no. I'm like packing them up. And I'm like, I don't want to. I want to read you instead. Just like, you do spark joy. I would read you. Yeah, exactly. All of this sparks my joy. Um. But yeah, I'm curious to hear what your thoughts are, what your favorite books are that are by people who are in the LGBTQ community or authors, characters, storylines, anything like that. Because I always enjoy broadening my uh, reading, my reading list. Your rainbow. You just like my to reading fly rainbow. rainbow. Yeah. I can fly twice as high. It's great. Um, but yeah, make sure you check us out on Facebook at Life Arama Podcast and on Instagram at life underscore o underscore Rama. And tune in next week when we talk about a lot of different great icons. Yeah. We there's just so many amazing people who really did pave the way in so many different ways that we want to touch base on as many as possible. So we'll probably come at you with like a few see what's going on. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. you'll actually get to hear Jordan's person that I was like, nope, you don't get that today. I was so, I was like so ready, <laughs> but like, and I was said, no. <laughs> yeah. We're recording in a couple of days. So it'll, it'll all still be there in my brain. Hopefully. <laughs> hopefully. I believe in you. <laughs> As, that's me dying. It's fine. All right. Okay. I guess I'll do the sign off since you Melina's know. dead. That's <laughs> great. All right. So just remember Life's a bitch. Don't let it fuck you. And keep rolling on. <laughs>